0: welcome to this week's episode of the north bible church podcast today we continue our study in the book of nehemiah entitled favor with kings let's join our pastor as we open god's word together well good morning everybody happy mother's day i was thinking about the mother's day and you know that's a cruel trick they play on you they lower the seat and then, of course, if you sit down, you look like a hobbit, right? So um, we'll fix that between. Uh, so I was thinking about my mom. She's been gone for about a year and a half. And uh, one of the things that really struck me uh, as I was thinking about her was uh, when we were kids, she would always have something made for us. You know, brownies, cookies, something seriously, you know, bad for you. And, uh, uh, and milk. There was always milk at our house. In those days, you could buy the two-and-a-half-gallon thing with a spigot you pull out, and that worked for, you know, three boys and a daughter. And, and uh, so we would come home from practice, school. Anytime we'd walk in the house, we knew there was always something to eat. And so we would grab whatever it was that she had, sit down at the table, and, you know, uh, if she didn't, you know, some again, if she didn't have a cup of coffee ready and sit down at the table with us, and it was one of those gotcha moments that I wasn't aware of back then, but she would have us right there at the table, and we're eating and drinking milk and uh, you know stuffing ourselves, and she's sitting there with that cup of coffee, asking us questions about our day, and before we would realize that we would just tell her everything that had gone on that day, and she had this little technique of getting all of that information out of us every day uh, by bribing us with food. And, uh, and, and I thought, what a, what a great deal, because what I carried with me was not so much uh, to demand FaceTime with our sons, but to try to create opportunities where we could talk, you know, riding a soccer practice, going someplace together, uh, you know, sitting together at night, uh, just the two of us you know, I- anything that we could do that would sort of create this, uh, re- you know, relax, be ourselves, and just have some time to talk. Because one of the hardest things, if you have sons to do is, is to say, okay, we're gonna talk now, and, seriously, you know, nah, we're not gonna, you know, those one word answers that you just, you know. Uh, but if you create those opportunities, and I learned that from my mom, and I've been practicing it ever since, one of the other things I thought about this morning is the Hope House because, you know, it's appropriate. We're talking about that, them this morning because, you know, there's teenage uh, moms that have no place to go. And literally, a girl will get herself from Phoenix to Sholo uh, to be able to get help to be part of that. And so they draw girls from all over. And uh, uh, if, if when we do these Hope House pickups, they put a banner. On the wall of their building that says "New Arrivals from Scottsdale," and I find that completely embarrassing. That, that would be a—it's—it's it's embarrassing to me that that would be a big deal, that they would think, "Oh, stuff from Scottsdale," you know, people that live in Scottsdale think of all, you know, this is going to be great stuff. Uh, and so there's kind of two things for me in that—that—that that, that, um, one is that we're not all that great. Uh, just sorry to break the news to you. Uh, and this, the, the, but the, the second thing is let's be generous. And uh, here, here's what I know that um, they get a lot of clothes. If you have clothes, that's great, but you know but to help these you know furniture, dishes, the other thing they love are books. So if you have books and you think, what am I going to do with these books, I have all these books. And now if you're like me, I've got them all digital, and what do you do? And so that books are great. Baby clothes, obviously, are a big deal. So things that you can think about like that uh, can really help these young women as they're kind of putting their life uh, together. You know, you guys are always so generous. and And I was reading an article recently by a sociologist, and he was complaining about the church. And he was saying that, uh, you know, that people are starving and people are in poverty and people are in need and, and the church is worried all about all these moral issues and all of these other things that the church seems to stand on and really go after while there are all these needs that are going unmet. And so uh, another researcher decided, well, I'm gonna take that on. And he did a study uh, on the church and the believers, people who follow Jesus and how they respond. And here's what he uh, discovered that uh, as late as 2009, uh, overseas relief and development sported by um, um, all American churches exceeded $13 billion that you guys gave collectively to the poor, to the needy uh, here and all around the world. Uh, compare this, that compares to five billion sent abroad by foundations in the same year, six billion for private, from private and voluntary relief organizations apart from church support, and nine billion donated internationally by corporations. In 2012 alone, the evangelical relief group World Vision spent roughly $2.8 billion uh, in that year to care for the poor, which ranks World Vision about 12th within the G20 nations in terms of overseas development assistance. So if World Vision was a nation, they would rank 12th in, in uh, in their giving and they're serving of the poor, and so the church has been very, um, the church has been very generous, and you've been very generous, and we really appreciate that, and we want to continue to do that. And that leads us into our uh, Nehemiah this morning, because here we find Nehemiah had done this incredible thing. Uh, if you've been following it with us, he went to uh, King Artaxerxes the king of Persia, he expressed the need uh, of the people in Jerusalem, that the walls had been broken down, Uh, they were surrounded by their enemies. I think, do we have a picture of them? Do we have a map up there? Yeah, okay, so just as a reminder, uh, Sambal, was a Samaritan. Uh, We have the Ammonites, we have Tobiah uh, from Beth Horan, We've got, uh, we've got Geshem from Kedar and Moab, and they were surrounding Jerusalem. Jerusalem's walls are completely broken down, so they are helpless, uh, and, they're, uh, and, and they've really lost hope in being able to protect themselves. Now think about this, uh, you're a farmer, and you have wheat fields, and also this area around Judea, which is the which is the Greek and Roman uh, version of Judah. So if you read, sometimes you see Judah. That's the Hebrew. Judea is the Greek and Roman uh, translation of that. But so Judea was famous for its vineyards. So you've got farmers who are raising grain. You've got the vineyards. You've got all of these. Uh, this agriculture that's going on, uh, but there's no place to keep it, and you're constantly uh, surrounded by the enemies of uh, the Jews, and and so what happens is that there's a famine that happens uh, in the land. There's a famine among the people of Jerusalem, among the Jews there, and so they find themselves in a crisis, uh, and they need some help, and so Nehemiah comes, They rebuild, basically rebuild the wall in 52 days. I mean, not only is it a miracle, but it's a genius in management and leadership on Nehemiah's part to organize all of these people, to pull them all together, and to get them to take on this task and to finish it in roughly 52 days, to get all of this done, even with their enemies surrounding them, even with the opposition that they're facing, all of the challenges that they had, they rebuild the wall in Jerusalem to make the people in safe. Uh, to do this, Nehemiah is asking everybody to help, and so the first group that we read about are the priests, and they build gates, and they help build the wall, uh, but he's bringing all the people in, so again, if you're a farmer, and you're out in your fields, now you've come into Jerusalem to help rebuild the wall, so it's creating a little bit of stress on all of them, and and, um, here's what happens. Nehemiah 5, verses 1 to 5, Now there arose a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, with, um, who said, with our sons and our daughters, we are many. Lesson one, they had big families, all right? That's, that's, how you, that's Bible talk for big families, lots of kids. Uh, we are many. So let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said we are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards and our houses to get grain because of the famine, because we haven't been able to work in our fields, because of our enemies, because of other factors, building the wall. And there were those who said that we have borrowed money Uh, for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards so the other thing that's going on the other challenge that they had not only were they surrounded by enemies no longer uh, that they had a famine because they weren't able to work their fields but also the king's taxes were so heavy they were so excessive that they actually had to borrow money to pay their taxes and there were those who said we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards now our flesh uh, now, our flesh is wasting among us. They're starving to death. Our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers, our children as their children. We are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved but it is not in our power to help it for other men have our fields and our vineyards. So here's the scene, here's what's happening. They, suddenly they cry out, the men and their wives, it says they all come together and they go to Nehemiah with this great cry of distress. Nehemiah, this is all good, we love your wall, but we are starving to death that we haven't been able to work our fields. There's a famine. The enemy has surrounded us. They've kept us from doing the job that we need to do. And the king's taxes are so excessive, they're so high, that we've had to borrow money uh, to pay our taxes. So we borrow money to pay our taxes. We can't tend our fields. We're starving to death. We don't have any money. Our debt is growing. And finally, as a last result, we've sold our children to be servants. So the wealthy and the powerful who have been loaning them money, when they can't pay back that money, they take their children to be their servants, and some of them actually took their daughters and made them an extra wife in their household. So they were giving their children to be servants, they were giving their daughters to marry some wealthy person to be an extra wife, an extra help in his household, and they finally had hit the end, and they came to Nehemiah and they asked for help. That's the circumstance that they found themselves in. And one of the great lessons here is that, that there was challenge, there, were, there was opposition, external opposition to what Nehemiah was doing. That the enemies of the Jews came against them and tried to discourage them and they threatened them. But there were also internal obstacles, internal challenges uh, that were even maybe harder for them. You know, one thing for outside people, right? Right? Some, maybe it's somebody. that's not a. They don't. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't follow uh, the faith, and and so they they uh, they oppose it, or or they ridicule it, or come against it, whatever it is. And and we sh- we should sort of expect that, right? It, it, the, the thing that kills us, the thing that really stops us sometimes, is when it comes from within, when people that we think. or or, or on the team, right? We think are part of the family. We we think they're supposed to get it. They love us. They're part of our deal. And when we have opposition from inside, that can be even more difficult for us. That's what Nehemiah is facing. Can you imagine he has sacrificed, he's left the palace He's come to Jerusalem, he's made this 800 mile journey, he's gotten to Jerusalem, he's rallied the troops, he's, he's uh, stood against the enemies, he's built the wall in 52 days, he gets it all done and he doesn't even get to catch a breath before everybody comes against him and says, we're starving to death, you gotta do something. Please help us. That might be a little bit discouraging, might be a little bit difficult, but I find Nehemiah's response to all of this, uh, really quite interesting. Here's what Nehemiah says in verse six. (laughs) I was very angry when I heard their outcry in these words. He was mad when he heard that, seriously. Your own people have been loaning you money and when you can't pay them back, when your debt gets so big, they're taking your children as servants, they're taking your daughters and your own kindred are doing that to you, and it really made him angry. And here's what he does. I love this in verse seven. I took counsel with myself. The the very first thing he did is he said, self, what should we do about this? And, And he started to think through how to respond to this. Now, this is a good thing for Nehemiah. This is a good thing for us. This is the equivalent to saying, before you say anything, count to 10. Uh, You know, this this is saying, you know, before I lash out in my anger, before I respond to this, I'm gonna take a few minutes and I'm gonna think through all the implications. How did we get here? What's the best way to get around it? How can this not only, uh, can we not only fix this, but how can we make this a teachable moment for everybody involved? And so that's what Nehemiah does he took counsel with himself and then I brought charges against the nobles and the officials and I said to them you're exacting interest each from his brother and then he says and I held a great assembly against them and said to them we are as far as we have able uh, we are as far as we are able have brought have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations but you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. Here's what he's saying, that that we have been in exile and we have spent money to buy people back, that we have brought people home who have been in Babylon, who have been in Persia. We've brought them back to Jerusalem and now you're selling them off again. Now you're sending them back into slavery, back uh, into being servants. You're doing the very thing that we just brought them back for that we saved them for, that we redeemed them for. And now you're doing that very thing. Look at yourselves. What have you become? What's happened? Because here, here's the truth. There was, there's really no middle class in Jerusalem. There are the wealthy and the powerful and then there are the poor. And the, the poor can't pay their taxes so they have to borrow the money uh, from the wealthy. The wealthy, uh, the debt, the interest rate's exorbitant. They get so deeply in debt that they can't make their payments and they have to sell their children in to be, become servants. And so this cycle is going on. and It's getting deeper and deeper and deeper until uh, Nehemiah steps in. Uh, and, and here's what he says again. So as far as we're able, we have bought back our Jewish brothers, this is verse eight who have been sold to the nations, but uh, you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. And listen to this. They were silent and could not find a word to say. <laughs> they were guilty. And they, they didn't have anything to say. They couldn't, they, they, they couldn't come back. They, they couldn't argue with Nehemiah because everything that he was said was true. That's what had been going on. That's what they had been doing. They didn't have a word to say. In verse 9, yeah. So I said... The thing that you are doing is not uh, good. Ought you not walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Moreover, I and my brother and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day, their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards and their houses and the percentage of money, grain, wine and oil that you have been exacting from them. And then they said, we will restore these things and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and I made them swear to do as they had promised. And I also shook out the fold of my garment and said, so may God shake out every man from his house and from his labor Who does not keep this promise, so may he be shaken out and emptied. So let me just take a second. So here's what Nehemiah says to him First, he points them to God. First, he he reminds them of who they are, who they belong to. He says that we live under the promise of God, that we live under the goodness and the blessing of God. And there is no way that when we live under the goodness and under the blessing of God that we should put other people uh, in a different category, that we should treat other people different, that we are blessed so that we can pass that blessing on to other people. Remember who you are. Leviticus 25 had a whole list of things of how you treat people who get into debt. And one of the things that Leviticus 25 teaches us is that every seven years, there was a sabbatical year when you would forgive people's debt. And and these guys were loaning money and exacting this great interest, creating this debt, taking over their land, taking over their vineyards, taking over their homes, uh, putting their children into service, all of these things. And Nehemiah says, that's got to stop because that doesn't honor God. And when we want to think about what it means to be generous, when we want to think about what it means to, to live our lives in this culture, the very first thing that we ought to think about is, is what, is what I'm doing honoring to God? Am I honoring him? The second thing that Nehemiah pointed out is that not only did they not honor God, but they didn't obey the scripture that God had given them a formula, God had given them uh, a purpose, God had given them the rules of how to help people, how to manage that, how to do all of those things. And Nehemiah said, we're not even obeying the scripture. So we honor God in our lives and we obey the scripture. We do those two things first. Well, he continues on, uh, you know, and again, this had to be hard for Nehemiah because uh, Uh, He needed the wealthy and the powerful to finish the work that he had in Jerusalem but he wanted it done in a way that honored God. What's this going to look like when we're finished? Are we going to leave this trail of uh, broken people uh, behind us But so, so just so we can say that we built the wall? That's not what God did because the wall, uh, it wasn't about building the wall. Nehemiah wasn't building the wall so that he could look back on his life and say, I built that wall, look what I've done. He didn't ask anybody to put a plaque on the main gate and say, Nehemiah's wall. He wasn't looking for any of that, but he saw Jerusalem as the place that God, God had called his people to live, the place that God's presence was said to dwell. The temple was the holy place for all of the Jews. And he said, this is how we honor God. This is how we are reminded of who we are, why we're here. And And God would have us to restore the temple, rebuild the wall, bring safety to his people, make this a safe place for all of his people to come, to be together. And that's what this is about. It's about God's promise, it's about God's law, it's about what God would have for us. That's what motivated Nehemiah. But it's easy to get those mixed up, isn't it? Um, there's this old saying that I've used a lot, you know, you, 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 um, you serve God, it looks good to serve God, you're serving yourself, right? Uh, th- that's the slippery, proverbial slippery slope, that we serve God, we wanna honor God. Uh, and then everybody says, way to go. And we realize it looks really good to serve God. And before we know it, we're just serving ourselves because we're just doing it for the applause. We're just doing it for the recognition. We're doing it for all of those people who say, way to go. And we miss the whole point of why we started it in the first place, was to honor God, was to serve him, was because he deserves the honor. He, He deserves our praise. So. Another interesting thing that Nehemiah said here is that uh, he said, we, we, uh, <laughs> he made them promise to, to do what was right, uh, and then he called the priests in, and he said, now I want you to swear in front of the priests. I want you to make this covenant in front of the priests, <laughs> because I, I, I know you're embarrassed, and, and I know you're gonna say yes right now, but we're gonna build in some accountability here And uh, so it's not that I don't trust you, but I want you to say this in front of the men of God. I want you to say this in front of the priests because you're not making a promise to me. You're not making a commitment to me. You're making a commitment to the God of the universe, the God who created you, the God who restored you. And one of the things that we forget often is that when we set out to do something, when we say that we're going to do something, we say that we're going to serve that, yeah, we're telling somebody that we're going to help, but we're really making a commitment to God. We're really saying that part of how I honor God is to, is to serve you. You know when I meet with young couples and I talk to them about their vows and I talk to them about their wedding ceremony. one of the things that I always tell them is, is that you're, yeah, you're making promises to each other, but you're making vows before your God. You're saying before God and your family, that we're gonna, we're gonna love each other, we're gonna care for each other, this is what it means to make a vow, and it begins with our commitment to God, and then we make our promises to each other. So, so Nehemiah said, it's not that I don't trust you, but I'm bringing in the priests that's what we're going to do. And then he used this idea of, sh- uh, of, I also shook out the fold of my garment. And that's that's sort of an old tradition. It was used by lots of different countries in those days, that it was symbolic for complete rejection. When he says, I'm going to shake out my garment, it's tantamount to saying that I'm going to completely, you'll be completely rejected by God. Your disobedience, uh, your, uh, your greed, uh, if you don't, if you don't stop this, if you don't keep your promises to God and to these people, you'll be completely rejected. That's pretty harsh, but it's pretty strong. So let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you uh, in your neighborhood know somebody that you ask them, where are from? They, I'm an Ammonite. <laughs> I'm a Moabite. Yep, come from a long line of Moabites. Nobody, right? Cater, Beth Horan. You know, there's something to this whole deal about how we honor God and how we oppose God and what how God blesses and how He works. That when God says there'll be rejection for disobedience, ultimately He He, he just He's saying, I'm not, I'm, I love you, but I'm gonna give you that choice. But you you need to know the consequences. And it's one of the reasons it's so hard to find a Moabite these days. (laughs) Well, the story continues. Uh, Verse 14, it says, Moreover, from that time that I was appointed to be their governor, he was, Nehemiah is the governor of Judah from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, Uh, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were uh, before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them from their daily rations 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I do not do so because of the fear of the Lord, my awe of God. So here's what he's saying, that the governors that came before me, they taxed you, they took your food. I have a food allotment from the governor, but I or from the king, but I choose not to use that. I choose to share that. I take the blessings that God has given me, and here's what I assume. I assume that every blessing God gives me is to be passed through, to be paid forward, to bless somebody else. So I don't eat that food, I pass it on to somebody else. I share it uh, with other people. I don't consider it my gain. I don't consider it something that I've done. I don't consider it something that I've earned. I consider it God's blessing and how can God then use that blessing to bless the lives of others. The former governors laid heavy burdens on the people but I will not do that. Even the governor's servants laid heavy burdens on the people, but we will not do that. He said in verse 16, I also persevered in the work on this wall. I worked alongside everybody else. We acquired no land and all of my servants were gathered there for the work. So everybody that came with me worked on the wall. That's what we did. We didn't assume that we were better than anybody else. We didn't assume there were any jobs too low for us, but not only were we generous, but we worked as well. We got dirty with everybody else. And moreover, there were at my table 150 men, Jews and officials beside those who came to us from the nations, the Jews that came from all over. And now what was prepared at my expense that I paid for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds. And every 10 days, all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all of this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy on his people, that he said, this is why I'm generous, because I honor God, because I'm gonna choose to serve God, that this is about God's blessing on his people. This isn't about me, so I'm gonna work with everybody else, and I'm gonna share the blessing, the food uh, that many people would say I deserve, that's mine by the right of being the governor. I'm gonna share that with everybody else, and this is the picture I want, one of the pictures I want us to have this morning, is that we are blessed. And when we help the Hope House, when we donate some furniture or some books or clothes, f- whatever it is, uh, w- when we fill up a baby bottle, when we you know support people going to Tanzania or Ecuador or any place else, all we're saying is that God has blessed me and I'm choosing to take God's blessing and be a pass through to bless other people. That I'm, I'm choosing to say this isn't mine uh, th- this isn't my stuff, this isn't my money, these aren't my resources, but they are re- these are resources that God has blessed me with and has called me to be a pass-through to bless other people. When we look at the generosity of the church, when we look at the generosity that, uh, that, w- that God has called people to uh, in our country, from our churches, uh, we recognize that God has called us to be a pass-through. He's called us to honor him in that way, to be a pass-through, to pass those blessings through to other people. Uh, let me just finish with this. In Nehemiah 5, 19, he says, Remember for my good, O my God, all that I have done for this people. That this is his prayer. Remember I told you that there are about 13 chapters in Nehemiah and there are 12 prayers uh, in Nehemiah. And here's one of the short ones. Remember, O uh, remember for my good, O oh God, all that I've done for these people. God, remember that I put you first. Remember that I passed through your blessings. Remember what I've done. Uh, keep in mind, bless your servants so that I can bless others. Nehemiah didn't resent the hurting people. He knew uh, that what he, he knew what he was doing, and he knew who he was doing it for, that his first focus was to please God. His motivation didn't start with, there's a need, I have to meet it. But his first, it started because he knew that's how he would honor God. Here's a secret for us. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, we have this great gift because we recognize the fact that without Christ, we're, we're completely spiritually bankrupt. And that Christ came and gave himself on the cross for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us that he did all of that. He did something that we didn't deserve, he did something that we couldn't earn, that we were completely helpless, we were living in a famine, we were lost. Uh, Maybe we didn't even know to cry out to God, but God and Jesus came and he gave his life for us and Jesus said, blessed are those who recognize the fact that they're poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, that when we recognize our own poverty, when we recognize our own debt, when we recognize the fact that we can't get out of that debt, that we can't can't get out of that poverty without the sacrifice of Jesus, then we become people with grateful hearts because we know what poverty feels like. We know what that kind of poverty looks like. And then God calls us to say, I want you to take that blessing. I want you to take that truth and I want you to live it out, not only spiritually, but I want you to live it out practically. I, I want you to help people uh, not only who are spiritually bankrupt, but who are also uh, financially bankrupt, who are financially helpless, who are financially poor. I want you to pass that blessing through and we do it gratefully because we acknowledge how much god has done for us and how little we deserve it and and so here's the thing we honor god Uh, we obey the scripture jesus another great line that jesus gave us was you know uh, uh when he said love your neighbors you love yourself how do we live this out? How do we, you said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors." As you love yourself. How do we live out our love for God? We love our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? It's the one in need, the person in need. We're to love them. That's the call that Christ has put on our lives and we, we know that. So as we look at the Nehemiah story this morning, the, the lessons for us are that we, we live a life to honor God first that we live our lives to obey his scripture, even the ones that we don't like, because they're his scripture. It's his word. And that we give and that we are generous because of God's extravagant, radical generosity toward us. That he loved us so much, you could all quote it with me, that he loved us so much that he sent his only son, that he gave Jesus for a whole bunch of people that didn't deserve it, that couldn't do anything to earn it, that didn't even understand it, but yet Christ get, came and gave his life because God loved you, God loved me that much, and I'm grateful for it. And that's why we pass through blessings. That's why we support Hope House. That's why we care for our neighbor. That's why we serve people. That's why we live generously to honor God, to be obedient to his word. And, and because we are grateful for what he's done for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for how your word speaks truth to us. Thank you for your graciousness. And Lord, uh, ask that you would challenge us in our hearts, Lord, that how, how are we living our life? What does this look like in our own lives? Are we grateful people, Lord, or do we feel like uh, this is all ours and no one else's or you know whatever the emotions are, Lord? Please forgive us. Where we've forgotten your word, forgive us where we've, where we've forgotten that it's a blessing that comes from you. Um, please forgive us when we forget that, that we're only here because of your love for us, because of your, the gift of Jesus toward us. So Lord, we thank you for that. Uh, we receive your blessing, we receive your love, that we might pass that on to other people. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in for our continuing study in the book of Nehemiah. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, let's rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. Here's my prayer, simply, that God would speak to us this week and tell us what it is that he wants us to lay down. Uh, lay down for him. What is it that we're holding on to? What is it God would call us to do, that God would uh, challenge us to, to do so that we can pass on his blessings uh, to the people around us? I love you guys. Have a great Mother's Day. God bless.